This is Victoria of TheUnleashedHeart.com, and you're listening to Grieving Voices, a podcast for hurting hearts who desire to be heard, or anyone who wants to learn how to better support loved ones experiencing loss. As a 30-plus year griever and advanced grief recovery method specialist, I know how badly the conversation around grief needs to change. Through this podcast, I aim to educate grievers and non-grievers alike, spread hope, and inspire compassion toward those hurting. Lastly, by providing my heart with ears and this platform, grievers have the opportunity to share their wisdom and stories of loss and resiliency. How about we talk about grief like we talk about the weather? Let's get started. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in to Grieving Voices today. This is episode 45 takeaways and reflections on episodes 43 with Brianne Davis and episode 44 with Jordan Brody. And I can't believe I'm nearing 50 episodes already. This has been quite the ride. It's been quite the learning experience as well. And um, if you've been following along since the beginning, uh, which will be a year in June, I thank you for being here, and if you are a new listener, there is a whole lot of content to um, catch up on. Amazing stories of overcoming some really difficult and challenging times for people, and what I love about doing this podcast is it exposes me to people of all walks of life who have a very different experience than from me and it really just helps me open up my perspective to all the ways grief really touches people and um, shows up in our lives and so I thank you for being here and um, honoring people and their stories by listening to them it means a lot to me and I'm I know it means a lot to the listeners because they just want to help as well. They are sharing their stories because they want to help others and really share the message that there is hope. There is hope because so many of my guests have found their way out of the depths of grief no matter how it touched them. And if you have been listening along, you will notice that the sound quality has greatly improved on my end. Um, I It started out good, but um, the laptop I had, the fan noise was just getting horrible, and I had it cleaned, and I did all these things that I thought would be would take care of the problem, and I, I just had to surrender to the fact that... Um, the laptop was indeed not going to give me the quality for this podcast that I wanted. And, you know, this podcast does not pay me. I do it out of, it's a labor of love, and I, I feel like it's really meaningful. It's really meaningful to me, and it's meaningful work. And so I did replace my laptop, and I actually went to the dark side. I um, 
I've been PC my entire life, and I am now Mac, and I have not looked back. <laughs> Put it that way. I absolutely love it, and um, can't believe I've been... It took me a long time. Like, I've been... The last three PCs I've had, I, I contemplated uh, getting a Mac, and I just I, I stayed with the PC. I, it was a fearful jump for me, but... Um, yeah, I'm so glad I I took the leap. Um, it's yeah, it's made me become helped me become far more efficient actually too in editing and all of that. So I hope you appreciate the sound quality as much as I do. Anyway, let's move on to what I would like to talk about today, and that is um, Brienne and Jordan's episodes. Brienne had it right in her episode, and I used it as a quote graphic because she said, you have to dig through your shit to get to your gold, and it's absolutely true. Going through grief recovery method is a lot like grief mining, and Brienne didn't go through grief recovery, but as you start to dig into one painful aspect of your life, the more you seem to find. And What happens simultaneously is you're also finding your gold when you do that. And it's in that process of taking action and doing something with what you find that you refine what's painful into something new. And Brianne had gone through Sex and Love Addicts Anonymous because she was really dealing with sex and love addiction. And that helped her when she needed it most. And she said it took her actually quite a few years to get through all 12 steps because it is, you know, like Alcoholics Anonymous, it is a 12-step program. And and I had no idea such a thing existed actually until I virtually met Brienne for my podcast. But as you'll hear in her conversation, our conversation in episode 43, um, her struggles went deeper than being addicted to love. Uh, trauma had left a scar on her heart and and grief was what what was left and I think for many who have experienced sexual trauma as a child can relate to Brianne's story and it's a theme I've seen play out in many conversations I've had with people on this podcast and it's also more prevalent than people realize In the U.S., per 2015 data shared by the organization Darkness to Light, whose mission is to end sexual child abuse, one in ten children will be sexually abused before their 18th birthday. Sixty percent of child abuse victims never tell anyone, and nearly 70 percent of all reported sexual assaults, including those on adults, occur to children 17 and under. I am one in 10. Brianne is one in 10. And sadly, I know others who are also one in 10. Trauma is what happens and grief is what's left. And you may not know this, but April was National Child Abuse Prevention Month. And so I feel it's fitting that the organization I'm choosing to donate to for a portion of the proceeds from my business for the second quarter will go to Darkness to Light. And if you want to learn more information about them, you can head to www.d as in dog, the number two, l as in lima.org. And I'll put that in the show notes as well. 
So for yeah, for the second quarter, I will be donating to that organization.、Uh, the first quarter, if you did not know, I donated to、um, Veterans Fund the, to fund the Vit Fisher House in North Dakota, which is where I live. There's a the Veterans Fisher House. Basically,、uh, when my dad was sick with cancer back in the late '80s. Uh, he was being treated at the VA because he was a Vietnam veteran. And、um, he was, I, he had his colon surgery there and all and things. And so, but as a family, we, there was nowhere to stay. And so I remember just being there one time, but I, you know, we, it was, we were separate. I was with, you know, family, friends of family and things、um, to stay with because for a lot of, My childhood, because that's where he received his treatment and care. And so I was ecstatic to learn that they're building this house near the VA facility so that the loved ones and service members and people can stay while they're receiving treatment、um, together as a family, kind of much like a Ronald McDonald house.、Uh, this is for veterans. And so.、Um, I, I really made a meaningful donation to me. It was meaningful to me.、Um, I made that donation for the first quarter, and it, it felt really good to be able to do, to do that. And so I want to continue to do that, and so,、um, and I will continue to do that. So, second quarter,、um, it will go to Darkness to Light, which, again, is a very personal and meaningful、um, mission for me as well. And so, anyway, if.、Um, And I know that the digging in part isn't easy, but it is necessary if you want to truly put the past behind you. Otherwise, you might as well be driving while looking in the rearview mirror, as I did for many years. Your past is your present until you take action to discharge and change the emotions around what happened to you. And if you need support in doing that, Or your child does, please reach out to me. And if you don't know, I facilitate a Helping Children with Loss program online in a group setting that, in, that arms the adults in the child's life with knowledge and tools to help the child address and articulate their grief. We are born knowing how to grieve, show, and share emotion. It is our surroundings that teach us differently. And when we know better, we can do better. The episode with Brienne, though, is a lot, there's a lot more to it than just about the trauma as a child and the sex and love addiction. I mean, the story there is much deeper, and it's really how we look to the outside, how we look outside of ourselves to validate our worth. And And she said, you know, if the people in your life bring drama and don't show up for you, then there's a problem. And she, that's when she started to really investigate and dig into really what was the problem. And、um, she really started to discover what was behind this addiction of needing somebody、um, in her life all the time. And she grew up very confident. And her mom, she said that her mom had instilled in her this drive and this, you know, you don't take no for an answer. And, and I think 
this persona that she took on was kind of her armor to protect herself again because she had been sexually abused as a child. And so if if I'm the one in control, if I'm in the driver's seat, then it's then I'm choosing. It's my choice what happens next. Um, but what I have come to learn for myself is that when we put on this armor and we, you know, find these coping mechanisms to protect ourselves in the context of relationships, we really have a false connection with people. We think we're really deeply connected with people, but we are really hiding parts of ourselves. Um, Because I really think, too, you lose a part of yourself as well. Like you kind of, and you have to shed that old skin, just like Brianne talks about. She said, I had to shed my old skin, this old persona. And I think it's really getting back to who she was like all of us, like when we experience trauma or painful, challenging things, grief in our lives, it's really getting back to who we were before that, but not to go back to that, to really become a version 2.0 of that, a more evolution, uh, a love, an evolution of the spirit of who you were before that happened. And I think this is the journey of life, right? This is this is life. It's, you know, your shit's going to knock you down and it's going to change you. It's going to morph you into something new. And either, we have a choice. Either we become malleable and we allow it to work through us and within us, or we resist that shit like it's the plague, <laughs> like it's the pandemic, right? Like we... We, we fight it and we um, drink away whatever we're feeling. We drug away whatever we're feeling. And unfortunately, that is the answer for, for in many cases to let's, let's just put a pill on it. Let's put a pill on it and um, just, yeah, we'll address the symptoms. But we're not going to address the pain that is the problem I see so much that has been come up in a lot of conversations uh, lately, actually, in a lot of podcast conversations is that this idea, and I'll get to that with Jordan because I get a little bit fired up about it, really. Um, but please listen to Brianne's story because it, there's more to it than um what you may think. I think, you know, she is a Hollywood star, but there's more to it. We all put our pants on the same way. And that's really why, too, I wanted to have her on is that we are all human, experiencing very human things. And that doesn't change where we, who we are, where we come from, our ethnicity, our spiritual beliefs, religious beliefs, or um, political beliefs. It, you know, grief doesn't care. <laughs> Grief does not care. And so that's why I really want to invite anyone from any background to come on this podcast to share their story. I don't care where you're from, what your beliefs are, because we all grieve. And that's that's full stop. You know, full stop. So please listen to her episode. I'm sure there is something you can glean from her story. 
The running theme through episode 44 with Jordan Brody, really the message is to be yourself. And for many years, he struggled with that. And um, actually, since we aired his uh, episode, he came out with a Be Your Selfie bracelet, which I'll put in the show notes. But Jordan's life... uh, was filled with many challenges of him coming to who he is today where he can truly be himself and if you spend 10 minutes with him you know that who Jordan is when he's in private and is is who you get in person like he is the epitome of authenticity to me if I've ever seen it but I understand that that wasn't always the case for him. Um, he grew up knowing he was different. Um, he was gay, and his father was very supportive of him. Um, and his he actually grew up as a child with a deaf parent. They call them CODAs. And struggled with addiction from a very young age. And I talk about this, I had a post on my Instagram about this because I've seen this theme play out several times on this podcast with guests. So part of their story is that they were, you know, put on medication and again, to treat the symptoms, not the, not the problem. And, um... And I've heard this story told differently and at various stages of life so many times. And I personally had an experience of this myself when I was struggling with postpartum on top of grief. Um, But that was never addressed. It was, well, let's just just try and fix, band-aid your symptoms. Because they're not fixing the symptoms, really. They're just band-aiding the symptoms. Band-aiding. That's not a word. <laughs> Putting a band-aid on the symptoms. And part of my post was talking about how white coats, not all, are quick to prescribe a pill rather than truly assess whether that is the most viable and best option for the patient. And when it comes to children who obviously don't have a voice in the in the scenario and um, aren't given the choice or option themselves, parents trust that they're being given all of the information, you know, the impact and the side effects and, and the just cause for putting the child on these brain-altering medications. And I bring this up because Jordan even said, this was his quote, he said, therapist put me on drugs as an eight-year-old to treat my symptoms but they never ask me questions about my emotional pain. And this really gets me riled up because I see this so many times. And for probably, I mean, as many times that this happens to adults, this is happening to children who are seemingly, um, you know, especially with ADHD, oh, they're a troubled child, or they're causing fights, or they're disrupting the classroom, or whatever. But it's like, what's going on at home? What? These are the questions that are so quickly glazed over are why? 
Why is the child behaving in this way? What has happened to this child that could be contributing to the behavior? How has what has or is happening impacting the child? And who suffers if this course of action has dire consequences or a poor outcome, right? I could go on and on. But my friends, grief in children causes children to behave in much of the same way adults behave. Angry outbursts, rage even, depressive episodes, isolation, struggles with peers, trouble connecting with others, social anxiety, suicidal ideation, which is getting younger and younger, self-harm, addictive behaviors, whether it be to substances or not. I mean, you can be addicted to your phone or social media or um, addicted to... (sighs) There's so many things with children too. Food. Children can become addicted to food. It's, these are not foreign things um, that we are unaware of. We, we look at these things like these are adult behaviors, but really, they're, and, and really, what is adulthood but childhood reenactment? So things that you resorted to as a child very well are things that you are looking to as an adult. Um, so what is often prescribed to cure grief because that's what these children are often experiencing at the root of it, right? Like, just like Jordan, the root of his, the issue, the problems that were manifesting in his life and the, the struggles he was having, the root of it was grief. So what's the cure? A pill. No, it's not. No, it's not. Please listen to Jordan's episode and really hear towards the end how he shares that he is no longer on medication. So did all of those previous previous diagnoses disappear? Or could he have been misdiagnosed in the first place? Just imagine for a moment how different society would look at grief if it was no longer medicalized and rather approached it for what it is, a normal and natural experience of the heart. Seriously, this really I get really worked up about this because especially with children's brains, which are rapidly growing and developing, like the last thing we should just be so quick to do is to put a pill on it, to, which alter, truly alter the personality of the child. And really the brain is what I've been starting to dig into. The neuroscience of it is how, how our brains actually adapt to our environment like they develop as a response to our environment so imagine now a medicated child's brain and how that brain has to adapt and change because of that medication now what are the long-term lasting effects of that what is the long-term impact of that that's an interesting study i would love to hear about or read about or find is that being studied I don't know. Are they following children who are put on these medications as a young child and into adulthood? A long-term study of the impacts of these drugs? I would love to know. Anyone have anything on that? Please share it with me. Send it to me via email, victoria at theunleashedheart.com. I would love more information on this if someone knows of it. Um, 
it just occurred to me that maybe there is a study on this, and I'm very, I'm fascinated by it. So please share if you know of something. But heading into his teen years, Jordan talked about how, and on top of the drugs, rather, I mean, really, on top of the drugs, I mean, he started using alcohol to turn off the trauma in his brain. So really, was what was the medication doing? What was the medication doing? It was addressing the symptoms, but it was not curing the problem, right? Oh, just drives me crazy. And I think many adults can relate to being that teen that started to experiment with drugs and alcohol. And um, and as we shared during the episode, it's like, and he said too, it's like, you don't, just because you don't drink from 10 to 2 every day doesn't mean you don't have a problem. And that was his aunt. She drank from 10 to 2 every single day and she died, ultimately died of her addiction. Um, and he also had another relative died of liver failure from alcohol, from alcohol addiction. But we often don't think that this, you know, every so often binge drinking is a problem. And I, you know, it's very common in my state of North Dakota with teens, especially is this weekend warrior, <laughs> you know, pattern of behavior that starts as in the teen years and really continues into adulthood for many, many people. When there's not a lot to do, what do kids do? You know, go to parties, they drink in, whatever. And I'm just as guilty of that. And, but for me, there was a lot of grief in my childhood too, too, my teen years. And I knew someone who was drinking at a very young age and, and uh, really couldn't even take a shower without having beer in with them in the shower. Um, that's so young. And again, that's on, that's, that's the developing brain yet that is being exposed to the toxins of alcohol. And it's like, I think some adults think of this like, oh, it's a rite of passage. You know, I did it. They're going to probably do it too. And that's, I mean, yeah, that's probably the case. But are you really, this is where we need to really look at the education behind what, what is the impact of alcohol on the brain? Like, how does this change? Like, how does this change the chemistry of the brain? Again, something else I'm just really fascinated by if if our brains develop and grow to um as a as a result of our environment as a result of what we're putting in our bodies and things like that so and of trauma right of trauma grief all of that but he talked about being on these drugs as a young age and then as he grew older you know resorting to alcohol and you know if you are doing these things on the weekend, you know, you're a weekend warrior, is it where your life is becoming unmanageable? Is your life unmanageable when you do this? And that was me. That was me. I I couldn't function for like two days. I would get so sick. Um, and I realized I had a moment of clarity, just this lightning bolt of clarity why do I need this? Why do I do this? And that was a question that I really 
dug into and journaled on and I didn't need it. And if I didn't need it, then why can't I go without it? And people might say, well, I don't need to drink. Well, then why do you? Then why do you? You know, well, it's to be social. Well, then you call yourself a social drinker, which is what I did. I was a social drinker. And I put that in air quotes, social drinker. But I didn't know when to stop. And I felt and still feel sometimes I get some social anxiety. I get, I don't feel comfortable in some certain environments. And I feel like I need to, I did feel like I wasn't comfortable in my own skin first and foremost. And I felt like I had to do that in order to really let myself relax and have a good time because who I really am at my core, I was kind of literally drowning out with alcohol because I wasn't comfortable. I wasn't comfortable showing who I really am. And that's a person who is enjoys deep conversation and really deep connection one-on-one with people. And oftentimes that's uncomfortable because it brings up stuff for us. But the more I started to address that within myself, the more comfortable I become with other people. Because the more comfortable I am in my own skin, the more comfortable I can be around people who are in theirs and may be uncomfortable in theirs, right? And so there's a lot of depth to Jordan's episode and Um, It really comes down to Jordan having radical self-love for himself and really doing what needed to be done in order to tend to his own heart with a lot of therapy, a lot of inner work. He's lost a lot along the way. Um, It started with his best friend who took him to his first AA meeting and ultimately who he had to say goodbye to because he died of an overdose. And... A week after we recorded his episode, his brother also died of an overdose. And he even expressed concern over his brother during our episode. And so, as you listen to his episode, which I hope you do, just energetically send him your love and light and um, just really this positive energy towards him for sharing his story so courageously and bravely for the first time ever on Grieving Voices anywhere, actually. And uh, I just see so much love just pouring out of him for people, for humanity. And I think he's only getting started. He's just getting started. He's, He's a beautiful human being. And um, it was just such an honor to have him on my podcast. I really loved our conversation so much so that he's going to come back for a second episode and kind of like a follow-up and an update where are things now with him and how are things going and, you know, after losing his brother too um, as well and just how he's channeling the, the grief that he's been walking through um, and what he's doing with that and how he's working through it and and all of that. Being someone who's 
um, a recovering addict too, you know, still having losses that are happening and not falling trap to those old patterns and ways of behavior that really only bring on more, more pain. Um, yeah, and he even said traumas cause us to separate ourselves, and they do, they do, and they stack up, they stack up as well. And so it's doing the inner work that has helped him to stay out of, to keep himself really from falling back into that trap. A lot of hope in his episode. I hope you listen and um, remember when you unleash your heart, you unleash your life. Much love. From my heart to yours, thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it, because sharing is caring. And until next time, give and share compassion by being a heart with ears. And if you're hurting, know that what you're feeling is normal and natural. Much love, my friend. Thank you.